This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. For more than a decade, Under Armour was a Wall Street darling. The company's sleek sports apparel had made it one of the fastest-growing companies in retail. Year after year, Under Armour consistently posted 20% growth in sales. And investors thought it could soon challenge the dominance of Nike. But then, suddenly and surprisingly, it all came to a screeching halt. On January 31st, 2017, the company told investors that its growth had basically hit a wall. And this week, the Wall Street Journal reported the company's accounting practices are under federal investigation. Today on the show, the inside story of the rise and fall of Under Armour. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, November 6th. Before Under Armour's stock plunged and before federal investigators started looking under the hood, the company was founded with modest roots. Under Armour was founded in 1996 by Kevin Plank, who was a Maryland football player. Khadija Safdar covers retail. He founded the company in his grandmother's basement with a moisture-wicking shirt. So it was a, kind of like a football jersey, mm-hmm. like a compression apparel football jersey. It was a novel concept at the time. Yeah, I remember when those shirts came out, that they were like, oh, those new Under Armour shirts. They were tight-fitting. They were moisture-wicking. It was like this kind of cool thing. Yeah. Under Armour was cool, but it had a long way to go before it would be huge. When Kevin Plank was starting the company in his grandma's basement, Nike was delivering $10 billion in annual sales and had about 20,000 employees. And so Under Armour positioned itself as the scrappy underdog, ready to do whatever it took to get their piece. It's us versus them. I remember they had very gritty commercials of football players playing under the Friday night lights, smashing in the mud. And- All I want to talk about is how big they are, and that this is the year they knocked us off. Well, when they come in here, they got to play our game in our house, and nobody beats us in our house. Yeah, yeah, very intense. Yeah, it was a very distinct image, and the slogan was, We must protect this house! Protect this house. And the company just took off. It grew very rapidly, and before long, it was a household brand. Much of the company's early success had to do with its founder, Kevin Plank. That scrappy underdog image that Under Armour painted of itself came mainly from Plank's own style as a businessman. What I have heard from earlier accounts of the company is that he was a really great salesperson. He actually posted this on his LinkedIn, but he would carry two business cards, one that said sales manager and one that would represent him as the president or CEO of the company. Hmm. And when he wanted to project the company as being bigger than it was, he would show people the sales manager card. To to imply that he's just one He's just a piece. random employee of this big company. <laughs> uh-huh. Even though he was the only employee or one of a few. One of a few with his friends, yeah. 
It wasn't just Plank and a few friends for long. In less than 10 years, the company grew to more than $250 million in annual revenue, had more than 500 employees, and went public on the New York Stock Exchange. And they were landing some pretty big athlete endorsement deals. It was pretty incredible. He managed to get a roster of really prominent athletes, Steph Curry, Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. Misty Copeland, Valerina. They would woo the athlete. And Kevin Plank was an athlete too, which probably helped open some doors. Right, and endorsements by athletes, that was a huge driving force in the success of the brand. And how would you describe the success of the brand in those early years after the company went public? I mean, we can just quantify the success. It had 26 straight quarters of 20-plus percent growth. Which is, you see massive growth out of tech companies in Silicon Valley, but a clothing company, that's definitely very rare. Yeah, and also just that kind of sustained growth, 26 straight quarters. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of enthusiasm amongst investors for the company, and the prospects seemed great that this company could really compete against a global giant like Nike. There was so much enthusiasm from investors that its stock shot up like a rocket. From the day Under Armour first listed on the stock market in 2005 until January 30th of 2017, its stock was up 786%. But then, almost out of nowhere, Under Armour's fortunes started to turn dramatically. The day it was January 31st, 2017... Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Under Armour, Inc. fourth quarter earnings webcast and conference call. Their streak of 20% growth suddenly ended. We expect operating income to be down by about $100 million. So the natural question is why? Why why is operating income going backwards? Every quarter, for 26 quarters, they were growing revenue by 20% or more. And in this quarter, they said, we're only going to grow revenue by 12%. But that was considered a disaster for a company that was such a fast-growing company. It was just very sudden. And investors, they weren't happy, and you could see that from the stock price. Under Armour, uh, a sports-related retailer, missed on every front. Crash for shares of Under Armour down 25% at yesterday's close. That's a lot. Yeah, it's the biggest one-day loss ever. Even the Golden State Warriors superstar Steph Curry cannot help Under Armour today. What did they say on their earnings call that day when they went to explain to analysts and investors sort of what was going on? So they gave pretty general, broad-based reasons for why all of a sudden their sales had slowed down. Under Armour has been traditionally known for its performance attire, and just more recently, as time has gone by, there's been a shift towards athleisure and more fashion-driven apparel. Lululemon, Nike, and some of the other sports apparel brands have jumped on that trend, and it really isn't what Under Armour is known for, why people go to their stores. So there's some impact from that Mm -hmm. shift in consumer tastes. They said that there was fewer shoppers visiting stores. They were experiencing the fallout from retail bankruptcies, such as Sports Authority. Mm -hmm. These are problems that a lot of retailers had been experiencing around that time and still are experiencing. The bad results made investors start to think Under Armour's days as a young, fast-growing company were over. I think the question was, Is this it? Is this going to be the growth streak for this company and this is the size that it's going to be? It just began to fanfares at the time that maybe this company can't compete with Nike and isn't going to be the next big global sports giant. In a certain light, the drop made some sense. 
By this point, Under Armour was doing $5 billion a year in sales. Not many companies can sustain 20% growth year after year, especially when you reach that size. Slowing growth could be a sign that Under Armour was maturing and finding its level. But there was also another detail disclosed the day of that disastrous earnings report. Under Armour's chief financial officer was leaving after only a year on the job. The incoming CFO would be the company's third in two years. And the company never turned things around. In the months after that earnings report, Under Armour's lackluster growth continued. But as Khadija was about to find out, the problems at Under Armour went way beyond the numbers. That's after the break. Welcome back. Under Armour's rise and then sudden stumbles all happened before Khadija started covering the company. When she took over the beat, she expected to hear about some upheaval. The company had gone through layoffs, some reorganization, and she did hear about that. But her sources also wanted to talk about something else. They also described complaints about the culture, too. Like what? Well, I I first started hearing from executives that there was a lot of women that were unhappy at the company, Mm -hmm. and they were thinking about raising concerns internally. I was trying to then nail down, like, what specifically are they unhappy about? Right. And there was obviously, like, issues around pay and having a fair shot at promotions. But then there was this whole other side where they were talking about just behavior that they thought was inappropriate, that people felt was not becoming of a corporate environment. People who had worked at other companies prior, they hadn't grown up at Under Armour, and they felt like this was just so weird and new. I've never seen this happen at another company I'd worked at. And so those folks could help me kind of identify what was normal and what they thought wasn't normal. And so what was it that wasn't normal at Under Armour? Well, one of the behaviors that they flagged was the expensing of strip club visits. That Ex- was Executives would go to strip clubs for a work event, like for like a business meeting. The understanding was that it's a business meeting because you were there with your coworkers and the company was picking up the bill. In early 2018, the company's CFO sent out an email to staff informing employees about a change in policy. The company would no longer reimburse certain expenses including adult entertainment, limos, and gambling. But company-funded strip club visits weren't the only thing making employees uncomfortable. There was also the Preakness party. So the Preakness is one of the three horse races in the Triple Crown, and Kevin Plank for several years would host a party for executives, athletes, and VIP guests at his horse farm in Maryland on the eve of the Preakness. Mm -hmm. So the invitations were usually extended to executives, usually at a certain seniority or higher. It was an event that where you'd want to go. There's a lot of famous athletes, Mm -hmm. local politicians. It was a great event to attend for networking. But what a lot of the folks that had attended told me was that they would see some lower-level employees there, And they didn't understand how those folks, what they were doing there. Right. And so as I dug deeper into it, I found out that some of the event managers would invite younger women based on their looks. So they were usually young women that they thought would appeal to male guests. And that's the way it was described to me. 
That is shocking. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't just a one-off thing. There was like a term for it that the vet managers would use where they would say that they're stocking the pond. Stocking the pond with attractive young employees, in other words. Young women. Young women. Sources told Khadija that one year there were go-go dancers at the Preakness party, dressed in cutoffs and midriff shirts. Responding to these revelations, CEO Kevin Plank said that Under Armour employees, quote, deserve to work in a respectful and empowering environment and that the company would do better. About the Preakness party in particular, an Under Armour spokesperson said at the time that our article about the event, quote, misrepresents the tasteful nature, end quote, of the party. Over the following year, the company's lackluster performance continued. Under Armour hired a new president, Patrick Frisk, to make changes. But CEO Kevin Plank remained fully in charge. And then, just a couple of weeks ago, Plank announced that he would be stepping down as CEO. Stepping down, but not stepping away. He's now going to be brand chief and executive chairman. The new CEO, Patrick Frisk, will still report directly to Plank. And then what happened this week? So this week, actually on Sunday, we broke news about... Under Armour being subject to an investigation by the Department of Justice and the Securities and Exchange Commission. How long has this investigation been going on? After we published the story, Under Armour came out with a statement that said that they've been responding to document requests since July 2017. So it's been going on for two and a half years. The investigation centers around how Under Armour previously recorded its revenue— and whether the company shifted revenue between quarters to make their results look better. Under Armour says it's cooperating with the investigation and that it, quote, firmly believes that its accounting practices and disclosures were appropriate. But what investigators eventually discover could shed light on one of the enduring mysteries about Under Armour. Was their abrupt drop in sales the result of market changes? Or was there something more going on? Either way, Under Armour is already enduring the wrath of investors. On Monday, less than 24 hours after the Wall Street Journal reported that the company was under investigation, Under Armour faced investors during its third quarter earnings call. Dave, I wanted to uh, just follow up on your comment about the federal inquiries into the accounting practices. And, and One of the analysts um, who covers this company raised a question during the earnings call on Monday and asked, why are we finding out about this now? Yeah, Jonathan, you know, we can certainly appreciate, you know, that you'd like us to provide more details regarding that matter. And at the time, the CFO said that they were prohibited from discussing it. They want to focus on 2020 and beyond. So they didn't really address the matter. Mm-hmm. And during Kevin Plank's prepared remarks, he didn't address it either. Uh, and we'll leave it at that for now. Okay, understood. The day of the call, Under Armour's stock fell by almost 20%. All told, the stock is down 66% from its all-time high. What set Under Armour apart from the beginning was its rapid rise, its rapid growth. The company's fall from grace has been just as fast. But while the speed of Under Armour's turnaround is unique, the story isn't. This is a story that happens with a lot of companies, and we see this a lot in the news where a company just skyrockets and grows, and some of the things that help them when they were a startup of four or five people, it doesn't help when you're a massive company that's employing hundreds and thousands of people. Under Armour got big in part by being brash. 
They secured endorsements by courting athletes aggressively, even bringing them to the strip clubs that Khadija wrote about. Its CEO handed out business cards, one accurate, one less so. It was all part of being the scrappy underdogs snapping at the heels of industry leaders. Right? Like if you're the CEO of a company and you're showing a business card that's a sales manager, that's totally innocuous. Mm -hmm. And it's something that helps you get big. Yeah. And it's like you break the rules and you break barriers and you try to do what you can do. You hustle when you're small. But that same kind of hustle doesn't, there's consequences for that when there's so many more people involved. There's investors, there's employees. You have a board of directors now that's overseeing your behavior. The game changed, but Under Armour maybe didn't. Kevin Plank has acknowledged that the company needs to grow and mature. The set of practices that get you to $5 billion aren't necessarily the set of practices that can get you to $10 billion. So I think the question going forward is whether they can do that, and investors will be looking to see whether they do. That's all for today, Wednesday, November 6th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Aruna Vishwanatha and Sarah Germano for their reporting on Under Armour. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening.